Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson, and you're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. How's everybody feeling? Ready for the weekend? This is just kind of a weird week, right? No Monday to save. Well, I guess maybe some of you worked on Monday. I didn't work on Monday, but uh, you know, it kind of throws your whole week off. But if you were gonna have a three-day weekend, would you rather take Friday off and then do Saturday, Sunday, or would you rather get rid of Monday? And then Tuesday becomes Monday. All right, Austin, shut up. You haven't drank enough coffee for this. Joining me live in studio for the second day in a row is the lovely Camelia Peterson. What's up, CJ? Good morning. How Happy we, Thursday, everyone. How are we feeling today? Good. A little tired. Tired of winter already, but I can't complain. Yes. Uh, you're in town. You're in Jefferson City, Missouri, where we stream this show live. We're glad to have you here. And since you're here today, we're excited also to say we're going to have a third person on set at 7.30 a.m. Senator Bill Eigel will be joining us. It is a Missouri kind of day. Very Missouri kind of day. Very Missouri. Happy New Year. If you're tuning in live, don't forget to click that like button. And if you are joining us for the very first time today, do me a favor and subscribe to the channel. I'll be glad to have you here on the Wake Up America show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Camelia Peterson is typically a regular guest on Tuesdays, Thursdays at 8 a.m. So uh, we got a little special treat this week to have her on set for a couple of days in a row. Good morning, Quantum Kitty, Andy Opperman, Quest Fanning, Barney Styles. What's up, Liberty Shindig? Bitchmobile, oh yeah, Studio 314, David Lee, KV Andy, Joni Rankin, Nancy Solorio. We got so many new names and faces too who are like I new do, regs. I do like a good Liberty Shindig. That's the name. <laughs> me too, me too, for sure. Liberty Shindig and I have been going back and forth on Twitter lately. It's been kind of fun. It's nice to see all of our friends. Urs Mommy as well. Like all the, it's like new regulars. You know what I yes. mean? It's kind of nice to see all the new friends who are like sticking around for a little bit. So yes, love that. It's great to have all of our Wake Up America show friends here on the wake up america show here we go let's rock and roll we've got what more uh bill clinton apparently likes young girls shocker everybody's surprised <laughs> my goodness now when we say young girls there's young girls and then there's young girls i mean you say young women is one thing right so once you're 18 years old you're young women because what man doesn't like young women Young girls well, is like me, under the age of 18, right? Ask Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. <laughs> she was of age. She was of age. You know, she was still young. You know, I've wondered, though, I haven't seen her on Twitter, but she used to get on there. She has a good sense of humor, and she would kind of like, you know, poke fun at things and, you know, refer back to it. I'm just, I wonder if she's said anything yet. Huh? Right. Some new revelations and some things that there's one name on this list that everybody's speculating about that was blacked out. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We'll speculate wildly. What's up, Nancy Solorio? Hi, AP. Nice to see you. We're glad to have you here. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein once said that former President Bill Clinton, quote, likes them young. Uh, uh, the files, which name more than 170 Epstein associates, such as Clinton, former President Trump, and Prince Andrew, were ordered released by Manhattan federal judge Loretta Prescott. Now, when they say the file's name from former President Trump, the deposition specifically asked him, you know, did you massage Donald Trump? And the answer was... No. Did they see Donald Trump there? No. No. But did they see Bill Clinton there? You. And there's a lot of documents to go through, and obviously they dropped last night, so we didn't have time to read all of them. But from what we did see, I haven't seen any allegations of Bill Clinton getting his freak on there. 
only that he had dinner and that Jeffrey Epstein specifically tried to bait him mm. with young girls. Apparently he likes brunettes. So um, so the, the one part of the documents that I had read was that in a sworn deposition, Jeffrey Epstein had stated that he specifically brought two young brunettes, like around 17 years old, to Jeffrey Epstein, which 17, that's legal in Missouri, by the way. Yes, and that age too. Well, okay, so here's the I'm thing. <laughs> I will say that that's a little devious on his part too, because at that age, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, if yeah. they, they look older than that sometimes. And so it's true. It, it is true that sometimes men are tricked. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. There, and and what do you do? I mean, like it's it's like if she if a woman lies about it at that age, right? So, and like, it happens all oh, the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a, a video of Jimmy Kimmel that was circulating because we've been. He, mm. He's I, I haven't seen his name in these documents. By the right. way, Aaron Rodgers might be in trouble. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a video of him from back in the Man Show days, and he was actually going around and having women. Uh, try and figure out what was in his pants. So they had to like feel around his crotch oh, to determine what it was. Oh, no. are you serious? He, and he asked this young girl, he's like, he's like, wait, are you 18? And oh, she's like, I'm 18. Gosh. He's like, are you sure? Because daddy doesn't want to get in trouble here. Yeah, but with how the police. I would just not do it? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Well, here's the thing. You know, the problem is all these, this is how these guys get all rich and famous. All of these lefties is that they act like misogynistic, you know, buttholes. And they get famous and rich doing like the kind of entertainment that middle America loves to see before they turn their back on middle America and then stab them in the back and talk about how terrible they are and force them to get vaccines and all kinds of crap like Jimmy Kimmel. So Quest Fanning is telling us the age at which he lost his precious flower. That's a little TMI for me this morning. <laughs> it was before me. I was a late bloomer on that one. Uh, congratulations to all of our listeners for all the weirdness. Welcome to Wake Up America show, uh, where everything is odd and we have a good time. Somebody messaged, actually sent a comment yesterday on YouTube where they were watching the show for the first time and they were like, this is a good mix of news and humor. So that's yes. what, I, that's kind of the way I kind of look at it, right? Yes. The Wake Up America show is we will do serious news. We have serious coverage. I mean, I think our coverage of Argentina and Javier Malay has been, you know, on point crack a uh, but then we also goof off and we have, you know, a good time and stuff like that. And I know that the Jeffrey Epstein topic, especially with all the church ladies online, right? Like you were supposed to be like angry and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, like, how can you not laugh at the idea of Bill Clinton being a goofball, you know, doing all this kind of stuff? It's horrible. Well, it's terrible. It's a crime. But also it is, it's for of, sure. It also is funny. But the thing is, is like there are always in the the worst parts of of humanity, like mm -hmm. you have to find humor somewhere or you will just like you, you just can't bear the weight of the awfulness that people are capable of. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I'm reading about the the Trump side of things. Jeffrey Epstein had information on Trump and the Clinton Clinton's so incendiary, it could have upended the 2016 presidential election, according to the dead financier's younger brother. So this is what his younger brother is alleging. This is a direct quote. If I said I know about if I said what I know about both candidates, they'd have to cancel election the election. That's what Jeffrey told me in 2016. That's Mark Epstein, right, about the post on Wednesday. Um, so Mark Epstein is saying that his brother said they'd have to cancel the 2016 election. And, you know, and that could be true, or it could just be Jeffrey Epstein, you know, and his ego, like saying, oh, I got everything and stuff. However, the weird Bill Clinton painting 
in Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, remember that? Yes. Yeah, the Bill Clinton painting. The blue dress. So I think, and this is a theory that I read about this at one point, is that it was a way for Jeffrey Epstein to sort of exert his power over Bill. So when Clinton would come to visit, Bill would see this painting of him wearing Monica Lewinsky's blue dress. Uh, and it was a way to sort of exert assert dominance. Yeah. Because as we were talking about yesterday, and I, I'm starting to pick up on this theory and, and think this might be legit, is that it may be that Jeffrey Epstein's money actually came from the extortion schemes. From blackmailing people. Blackmailing. Bringing them to Little St. James was the name of the island. Bringing them to Little St. James and then video recording what was happening on the island and then extorting them, blackmailing them for millions of dollars. Now, the FBI apparently has the videotapes of what happened on the island, and we haven't heard hide nor hair of, of uh, any of that. So, I mean... Not a surprise, right? It's the FBI, man. I mean, uh, obviously... Does it mean anything anymore? Well, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it's so blatant, right? It's so blatant, the corruption yeah. at this institution. And I, I, you know, again, to criticize Trump on this one, the fact that he thinks that they should be built a brand new building and stuff like that. Again, this is why I'm Vivek Ramaswamy until it's, until it's the primary is over, which primary is, I guess, almost over, right? What do we got? 15 more days until Iowa votes or something? Yeah, I think it's a couple of weeks until Iowa, and then I think another week until New Hampshire, and so we'll no more then. Yeah, no, we'll no more then. Uh, Nikki Haley is making some waves for a comment that she made regarding immigration yesterday. Let's take a listen to what she has to say. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. But let's. Okay. Uh, she's partially right sure. there. Uh, MAGA is ripping her a new butthole because they're saying we don't need to be. She said we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. Their families want a better life. Okay. So she's partially right. Some are. Are her families. It's not all. It is true when you look a lot at a lot of those pictures. Not always a lot of families. No. It's a lot of men. No. Trust me, whenever there's a family, the New York Times <laughs> is there with a full photo spread. You'll find the only family yes. in the sea of, you know, 200 men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if there's one child there at the border, then the New York Times, the LA Times are going to be there and they're going to be right. There's going to be a magazine spread. There's going to be like a, the gift basket waiting for them at the border. Trust me. Um, but that's not the case that they're all that way. But, you know, this, I think this goes to show the interesting, you know, juxtaposition of views contrasting libertarian with neoconservatism and with uh, paleoconservatism, where the neocons obviously disagree with us so heavily on the war issue, but then they have a better, stronger understanding of economics. Whereas yes. paleoconservatives, not to a T, right, the more Pat Buchanan types, right, the new right, and et cetera, they really do eschew economics to a large degree. And, you know, I'm, I'm being partially insulting, but also partially descriptive to an extent, right? Some of this is illiteracy, uh, an economic illiteracy. 
<clears throat> but to another extent, it's like they do, uh, many of the paleoconservatives want to replace an understanding of economics of which immigration is inherently tied um, to the, uh, to replace this with this, you know, a culture argument that is supposed to supersede it. I'm not immune to arguments about the importance of maintaining and protecting and preserving a culture, but I also think that like that does have to be balanced with like an understanding of markets and how they work. Sure. And I do think that if there's one thing that you can't really criticize Nikki Haley on, it is, you know, she's been strong on economic issues mm -hmm. in all of the debates. She's probably the strongest one, honestly, in, in all of the debates they had on economic issues. Uh, stronger than Vivek? Um, well, I, you know, question, right? I, I think, you know, equally. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she has it. Uh, the, the problem is, is that in, in American libertarians being so anti-war is that we're much more triggered by the war issue than we are sure. by the lack of economic literacy, which I think we should, uh, you know, being against free market economics, I, I think should be as, you know, as as bad a heresy as as it is, you know, being pro-war and every, you know, position possible ever you know being pro-war in every you know means uh, that you can be but the problem is is that we sort of have we over and i've asked the judge this judge napolitano this he says yeah i give a little bit more weight to the to the war issue than i do the other things and i and i can understand why um well the, there's an economic impact and motivation for war yeah there is there's an economic impact and motivation uh for war you're absolutely right now when it comes to the the gop primary it, it, you know soon it will all be over vivek you posted you told me that vivek posted something about what some kind of surprise or shock. as a vivek fan I want to believe, but what is this? What is this story? What were you telling no, me last night? He had night? said something, uh, I think the day before yesterday, about there was going to be a, a big endorsement coming and um, I was going to shake things it was up. Gonna, right. Like it was going to floor the mainstream media or something. So I'm thinking, like, what would bother them so much that I don't know? And you know, he's been talking about how. Uh, they're not going to do any more TV ads or anything, but they've got some new big strategy that's going to kind of like, you know. Was this the Steve King endorsement? So I guess so. I was looking just to see what the big deal was, and that's the only thing I've seen. I was like, oh, okay, well. well. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve King, and they're already calling him like a white supremacist or something like that. Steve King's what a four, former Iowa congressman, right? Yes. Right. So he came out, he endorsed Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek is out there touting it, and the mainstream media is reminding us that at one point Steve King said that like, what's the problem with white supremacy or something like that? I don't know. Steve King, I think, was one of those uh, people who did a lot of good things and then occasionally said some really stupid things. Well, welcome to being a Republican, right? Welcome to the Republican Party. Have a seat. <laughs> Who hasn't said some a stupid thing once or twice? Uh, Quest Fanning's not stupid, though. He dropped $2 in the chip tip jar and said this. Thank you, Quest. I still can't for the life of me understand why NYC feels any obligation to treat migrants any better than other homeless hobo hobos. You can be a sanctuary city by simply not playing ball with ice. Well, it's because they want to replace the white race. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That's Vivek's words. Seth Brown, man. Oh my that was goodness. Vivek. What's wrong? Come on. <laughs> right? I did not know he'd been saying that. Wait a minute. You didn't hear this? No. no. Shut up. We talked the white replacement theory. Yeah, I didn't know did that he. Did Vivek Ramaswamy say this? I guess I missed that. Whoa. You missed out on that. Hold on. Vivek Like, Ramos that's not cool. That what? Wait, right? Replacement theory. Hold on. Hold on. Because remember, he was like calling out Van Jones. 
on. Um, okay, so I do kind of remember that. Okay, yeah. hold on, hold on. I got to find this on Twitter now because yeah, you, so you remember it a little bit, right? I do. Music, I remember the vengeance. Great, uh, great. Oh, it's great replacement theory or something. Okay, like that. so yes. Okay. Right. I suppose that's the same thing, right? They just, I didn't remember him saying, actually saying white. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Now, here's Jimmy Dore, I think, talking about it. So let's see if I can, if this, this should be the clip. Uh, Jimmy Dore, is it Dore? Dore? I don't so know. So we were uh, very excited uh, for to, to see you at the GOP debate and you were. Oh, he's talking to Vivek. It's a rare truth that people don't. So I just want to play a little bit of it and we'll get it. That the great it. replacement theory is not some grand right wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform so that's used let me say it one more time that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory but a basic mm -hmm. statement of the democratic party's platform okay so now you want to say something real quick because he's got vivek there go ahead is he good are they going to explain the definition of the great replacement theory i guess well, that was, the problem is the problem is every definition that you will find is always this is a white supremacist nazi conspiracy theory well here's a very not white guy it, explaining when you Here. said that uh the great replacement theory what how would you define what that is yeah i would define it what i was certainly talking about is a, a theory that basically says that if you displace certain native white populations in the United States with immigrant populations, that that's a path to lasting electoral majorities and electoral victories for the Democrat Party. And that's exactly been a statement of the Democratic Party's intentions for about the last at least 10 plus years. Going back to, you know, I've got this philosophy, Jimmy, is you just, when you want somebody's beliefs, a good rule to start with is just take them at their word that when they say that that's their belief, actually believe them. That's what Joe Biden was saying 10 years ago with Mayorkas by his side. Stacey Abrams to left-wing publications. They've been saying this for years, that over the long run, this would be a path to lasting democratic victories. And so I think we should debate it on the merits. Is that desirable or not for the United States of America? There you go. What do you think? So it's essentially the same. Hmm. As, you know, just, you know, the people that most often talk about that, you know, unfortunately are just really, you know, scum of the earth hmm. kind of people who actually they are do. racist. Right. And it just... I do understand the the concept and the thing is, is the, the immigration system is so broken mm -hmm. overall that I don't know what the right way out is anymore, because if we don't start letting people in legally, because we're not, I mean, we have no good system for letting people in now. And, you know, but we're not going to, we do need to um, have more well, people. Listen to this. This is Van Jones. Take a listen to this. The way before you do something is difficult. And I think it'd be easier if we just acknowledge that it's difficult. No ethnic majority group in 10,000 years of human history that I can find ever went from being a majority to being a minority and liked it. And that's basically the request from the racial justice left, is that we want the white majority to go from being a majority to being a minority and like it. That's a tough request. And the reality is that change is hard. Change that you want is hard. Change that is good is hard. Your reaction? He's probably not wrong <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, I'm a little conflicted about this because I'm not so concerned about I whether or not first. Um, whites are minorities. Like that's... Well, you know, it's this question like, like, is it important to maintain a racial... Is it important to maintain some kind of a racial balance Right in in a country because, you know, it, here's the thing: if you if you were to ask them, you know, should we go to Nairobi? 
should we go to Nigeria and bring in white people and start replacing the native populations? What would they call that? Mm. Colonizing. Right. Right. They would call that they would call us colonizers. They would say we're trying to replace them. They would say that this is racist because, I mean, the whole the history of South Africa is one of the more, more interesting cases, for example, right, where you had this this history of colonization mm -hmm. with Dutch farmers, the Boers and the British and then the black the black South Africans, which, of course, led to the 1970s and apartheid. And God, I forget the name of uh, Rhodesia the country of Rhodesia, which was this white settlement for a time. Uh, and, and of course, the question is, is, you know, do we main is nationality inherently tied to race? Well, Adolf Hitler did thought that, right? That was, that was his whole idea. The whole idea is that like, we want to have an ethnic, uh, an ethno state. And, and so the question is, is like, is it, is it, or should it be the policy of a government to maintain an ethnic nationality? What's funny about the, about the, um, the Nazis and modern Nazis is that they'll say, absolutely, yes, until you start talking about the state of Israel. And then they'll start saying, well, Israel's an apartheid state and it's an ethno state. And then all of a sudden they turn into raging leftists on this issue. And they're like, they're like, they don't want diversity. Look, they've got walls, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Isn't that what you believe in? Like, no, not the Jews. Anybody but the Jews. We want an ethno state for everybody but the Jews. But it I mean, is, you know, these are, these are difficult, difficult conversations. It is, but you know, America, I mean, like, that's our, that's what we've, I mean, I grew up learning mm -hmm. that we are the melting pot. Yes, but the, in your government schools, right? No. Where did you learn that? Because I was taught that, I was taught that in my government school, yeah. Civics 101. I, I remember the melting pot lesson from sixth grade. Like, it, it, it the indoctrination starts young. I mean, the curriculum that we used was not not the same as the curriculum they used in the public schools, but I'm I'm sure that that theme was in there. But it and I and I've always liked that, but I have one quibble with it, and that I think that we're not really so much a melting pot so much as we are like cereal or mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying because mm -hmm. it is you know the Explain beauty that. the beauty of America is not um is not just that there are um all of these different people from all of these different parts of the world but they also bring their own culture with them mm -hmm. and that's you know and there are in like Chicago you know St. Louis there are ethnic neighborhoods right and that I don't think that's a bad thing. I kind of like that. I think that it really creates a, a uniqueness and there's a beauty to that. Um, but but can we why can't we say the same thing about our ethnic white neighborhoods? Like, can what can we say? What what, what happens when we go out there and say, is, see, isn't that funny how like that yeah. that gives you pause? Right. To go to say the same thing, like when we go into our country club communities. Right. I like the other day, um, my, my neighbor took me on this tour of like the rich neighborhood here in Jefferson City. Um, and lest you think that I am rich, I am not. And so we went into this neighborhood and it reminded me of how I'm not rich. And so we're driving around in this neighborhood. and There's all these beautiful homes that I'm like, they're probably not a single black person who lives here. Right. Or, you know, maybe somebody, maybe a mestizo or two, or perhaps a mulatto, but no, it's a, it's a white, very white neighborhood. Right. And like there's farms and beautiful barns and horses and, and gorgeous four story homes. And I'm just like, wow, this is, this is how the other side lives. And I'm like, this is a beautiful neighborhood. This is gorgeous. This is culture, right? Horses and farms and barns and beautiful homes and manicured lawns. I'm like, is that not white culture? And is it not beautiful? And can we not appreciate that just as much as 
when we go for a schmear and a lock spread and a bagel in, in Jewish Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Okay, but, you know, um, I'm sorry, but they're like Germans, Jews, you know, Czechoslovakians, like mm -hmm. they're all white. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, but you're talking about white is not an ethnicity per se. To, well, okay, I'm very not, white, not but sure like that. I'm a big, like I'm a mutt. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, to mutt to what? I'm I mean, like, like I'm Swedish, I'm, Norwegian, German, why, Irish, why, why, like lots why, why, of. You know what I'm sure, saying? Sure, yeah, yeah, not quite right. So I do think you know when you're German, talking German is its own ethnicity, right? Sure, so, like it's a nationality. And it has an ethnic undertone to it, right? As well as being a race. Well, I suppose, like cultural, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that when we have like these cultural neighborhoods or ethnic neighborhoods in the different cities, mm -hmm. I, those, I think eventually people like move out of that and they do blend, you yeah. know, after a you know, couple of generations. Right, right. And, and I, you know, there's this inherent genetic uh, uh, portion to it, I think, that there's a natural xenophobia, I think, that exists. Because I, lefties will lie and be like, look at the babies that are playing in the different races. They're not racist. Well, there's probably something innate, right? There's like a nature aspect, like aspect to feel like people who are different from you to have like a natural suspicion, right? Towards them. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. People are like, oh, they need to be taught to hate. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think there's probably something innate to that. This is a nature versus nurture argument, really, but... Sure. And I think, well, and I think that it does vary on the person and there is, there is some nature in that in just inherent uh, personality. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't do the blank slate. No. Okay. Uh, well, that's interesting. Not entirely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway. So the question of the great replacement theory uh, is going to be more hotly debated. It's going to be a question that we're going to discuss more because Vivek sort of opened Pandora's box on this one and being an Indian man, he, you know, sort of, uh, you know, made it okay to talk right. about, right? Which is kind of funny and kind of sad that we need to have like a token brown person saying something in order for us to make it okay to discuss about it. It should have been okay for yeah. us to talk about it anyway. Yeah. But with cancel culture being what it is, anyways, uh, if you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Thanks to, thanks for you to joining. We're glad to have you join us this morning. Excuse me. Maybe if I slow down, mm. click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us. Blue Trike says, come on, AP, Germans are an ethnicity, but Jews are not. I don't know that I said that. I, I Did I say that? If so, then I, I miss, misspoke. Uh, Quantum Kitty says she's a mutt. Uh, West Benatu, Mizrahi, Itulaktu, uh, Italiano, Irish, Scandinavian, and German. Interesting. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Eric Dondero reminds us, we Jews are whites. Some Jews aren't white, though. There are some non-white Jews. I've seen a few of them. Yes, yeah. that's true. And are Sephardic Jews white, right? The Middle Eastern Jews, because they're not quite white, right? Mm, probably not. You can, I mean, Jew is religion, right. culture, I mean, like ethnicity. The line is very blurred. It's not a race. Right. So that's the thing. And people get that confused all the time, right? Uh, Ur's mommy says, my grandmother is a Rockefeller. Please don't hold that against me. Oh, my God. At least it's not a Rothschild. Oh no, she's no, part of the conspiracy. She's here to keep an eye on us for the okay, FBI. I was gonna say she's here comes Ur's mommy's friend. She's calling the FBI on us. We're glad to have all of our friends here joining us with this uh, on the Wake Up America show this morning. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. Also, we do have a text uh, text line. If you'd like to have your voice heard on the show, make sure that you send us a text at 573-319. One five eight six. Again, the text lines are open at five seven three. 
319-1586. Mighty Megatron just decided to uh, jump in on the Jew debate and says, Jews aren't white. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. That's what Adolf Hitler thought. He didn't think the Jews were white. But, yeah, there's plenty of white Jews. I know one. I married one. We're glad to have so many of our friends here joining us on the show. We can't wait to have our next guest is going to be Senator Bill Eigel. He's running for governor here in the state of Missouri. It looks like his crew just arrived. So we'll have to go get him here on set. We'll be right back with the next governor of the state of Missouri on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. All right. Well, thanks for standing by through the commercial break. Did you guys enjoy that commercial? It's one of my favorites for Founding Flavors Coffee, the most delicious patriotic coffee. Why? Do you keep going to Starbucks when they're going to take your money and they're going to use it for abortions? Don't do that. Starbucks coffee tastes like crap anyway. Drink Founding Flavors coffee that you can get exclusively at AP4LibertyShop.com. My favorite, of course, is the Thomas's Painkiller, Colombian single origin coffee. But the best seller, of course, is good old George Washington's Revolutionary Roast. You can get that exclusively again at ap 4 for libertyshop.com. All right. Well, we don't always have three guests in studio. It's a little hard to mic them all up because, you know, AP runs the show all by his lonesome. But today we've got a full crowd here, not just a studio audience who are joining us out there clicking like and subscribe, not just the lovely Camelia Peterson, who's still on set with us, but the next governor of the state of Missouri joining us on set, the great Bill Eigel. What's up, Bill? How you doing, buddy? Hey, happy Happy New Year. Happy Let's go New Missouri, Year. right? Yeah. I'm talking to be here. Thanks for having me. Make sure you talk into that microphone okay. real close. All right. We're not a real television show, unfortunately. So. Uh, right on. Camelia's over there as well. We appreciate her. She might have a question or two for you. We'll see. Um, we're glad to have all everybody right. here on questions. Yeah. So the session has kicked off, Bill, and we're all excited to see what's going to happen here in the state of Missouri. But before we get to the state level politics, I know you are running for governor. Um, the lieutenant governor candidate, uh, Senator Bob Onder, he came out early with a Donald Trump endorsement mm -hmm. uh, for the Republican Party on the presidential side of things. Mm -hmm. So. Have you made a pick? So are you a Donald Trump guy? I, I am. In fact, I'm the only uh, only one of the three candidates for uh, governor. Well, four, if you can count the Democratic candidates uh, that have endorsed Donald Trump uh, for, for for president of the United States. And, you know, I think the the reason that people are flocking and and, and, and rallying around Donald Trump is this guy is a disruptor uh, that isn't owned by the swamp in Washington, D.C. And that counts a lot for folks because they know that we need a reckoning in Washington, D.C., just like I've been talking about getting a reckoning here in Jefferson City. The biggest danger that I believe we face in both of the state and the national capitals is a status quo that doesn't care about everyday citizens. And it's a status quo that passes law and spends government money, uh, spends taxpayer money uh, for the benefit of themselves, uh, not for anything that's good for our communities. So uh, Donald Trump is going to face an uphill battle. He didn't win in 2020. Do you think that anything, the circumstances have changed? that makes him a more likely candidate to win in 2024? Yes, I, th I think it helps tremendously uh, that Joe Biden has been one of the worst presidents in American history. I mean, if you look at uh, America's standing on the world stage, we've had one disaster after another going all the way back to starting with the withdrawal in Afghanistan, the chaos that's going on in the southern border, uh, the inflation that has taken hold in our economy because of the out of control government spending, which, by the way, is the fault of Democrats and Republicans. Uh, and, and all of these things have made it more difficult uh, for everyday individuals to buy food, to pay rent, to pay 
pay a mortgage uh, than ever before in our country's history. So I think that not only are folks looking for that disruptor that in the form of a Donald Trump, but now we have almost four years to point to where Democratic control, Joe Biden control, or whoever's controlling Joe Biden control in the White House has been just a, an unmitigated disaster for the country. So, Bill, what makes you different than other gubernatorial candidates? We've got uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe now. He's running for the top spot as well. You've got Jay Ashcroft, Secretary of State. What makes you different from Governor Kehoe and then Jay Ashcroft, if you wouldn't mind comparing countries? Sure. No, not at all. Well, the the biggest difference is I'm the anti-establishment and they are the establishment. You know, first you have uh, Mike Kehoe, who is a guy who has been, who's being funded by some of the biggest special corporate special interests in all of Missouri. Uh, You have Jay Ashcroft, who's a political dynasty. The idea that somebody who was born with the greatest silver spoon in the history of Missouri politics is suddenly going to buck the system and go after the system as an anti-establishment person. I mean, if we really think about that, that's kind of silly. And if you look at their policy positions, you know, Mike Kehoe stands for higher taxes. Mike Kehoe stands for bigger, more government spending. Uh, Jay Ashcroft is wrong on elections as far as getting rid of the machines in our elections. I think we should go back to the hand counting of ballots. Jay Ashcroft is wrong on the foreign land issue. He thinks that we should stop after we ban China uh, from from purchasing our land. I think we should ban all four countries from from buying our land, uh, our farmland. And I think we ought to get the land that we've lost back. So uh, there's policy differences. There's political differences. Uh, I am I am geared my entire campaign towards letting folks know that uh, if you're out there and you're upset about the fact that Missouri is stagnating because the people in Jefferson City continue to do nothing and you want a mass disruption of that system and status quo, I'm your guy. I'm the only one that's offering that type of solution. Are you ready for the hard questions now? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. So here they, here they come. Uh, so you want to ban China from buying farmland in the United States. There was a big uh, debate on the federal level about whether or not a Japanese steel company should be allowed to acquire an American manufacturing company here. Do you share the same sentiments towards American allies if, for example, Japan wished to buy uh, a company? I mean, we have Hitachi right here in uh, across the river uh, in uh, in Jefferson City creates a lot of jobs here. Do you have do you share that same sentiment towards other countries yes, as well? All countries. So I'm, I'm for a ban on all foreign countries. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned Japan. It's funny if you're asking me that question in 2024. Now, uh, imagine if you'd have been asking me that same question about a Japanese country in 1941. So, uh, you know, my my purpose between b- b- behind not wanting other countries to buy our farmland is I don't think foreign countries ought to be able to own and control our food supply. I don't think that they should have that right. I think it's a national security issue, whether it's uh, China, which is kind of the low hanging fruit. Uh, everybody points to China. Of course, China shouldn't be able to buy our land. But I apply that evenly across all countries. I think that Missouri ought to be owned by Missourians or at least Americans. And, you know, if you look at if we get into this 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 habit of trying to identify some countries, but not in others. Listen, there are bad foreign actors in every country in the world that don't like America. You know, under the executive order that Mike Parson put down uh, yesterday, or I guess this was two days ago. Uh, so, but under- I mean, I hate to interrupt you, but I mean, it, it seems as if you're putting the national security question above the economic question. I mean, we have countries that create jobs here in the United States, sure. like Hitachi and others. I mean, like you want all those to go away? No, no, no. Keep keep in mind what I'm saying is they can't. They own the land they, uh, that they Hitachi exists on. I sure. mean, they they create lots of good paying jobs so, right here in Jefferson City. So I I. I 
I am listen. We're we're going to preserve that economic activity. I'm saying they can't own the land. That doesn't mean they can't lease they, the they land. That doesn't it doesn't mean they can't they can't they can lease the land. Well, what's again, the difference? Well, there's a big difference between leasing and ownership. Uh, if you have if you are leasing a land, you have the restriction of a lease that has certain requirements but that you your, have to adhere to. Your concern to. was that like China was had would have control over the food supply, but I mean you're not concerned about Japan putting anything weird in Hitachi microchips here in Jefferson City, right? Well, I think that's a separate issue. I mean, you're, you're conflating separate issue just because we can do something it, on one I, it issue. It seems to me like you're conflating Japan with China. And I think it's I think it's a mistake to conflate America's allies with America's enemies. I mean, I think that they have entirely different intentions. I mean, you seem to be placing them on the same footing. Am I wrong? Uh, no, on this on this standard, I'm putting them on exactly the same footing. And again, the reason I'm doing that is I believe in every foreign country, there are villains who don't like America, who don't like Missouri, are not going to have our interests up. I mean, if you look at the State Department, going back to my original point, under the EO that Mike Parson passed or that put out a couple days ago, Osama bin Laden himself, a Saudi national, right, would be able to buy land and farm land in this state. Well, well if you dead. look, he's dead. So okay. Well, if you look at the department, <laughs> if you look at the Department of State right now, they have a list of more than three dozen countries that have active terrorist organizations. None of those countries were banned from the list. So uh, my guess is, in almost every country on earth, there are foreign nationals in that country who would be eligible to buy our foreign for our buy our farmland unless we were willing to take the step to say, hey, we are going to ban foreign entities and countries from buying our land. So. So, uh, Jet, listen. I don't have a problem. I don't. I don't have a problem with Great Britain. They've been one of our great allies. But you know what? I don't want Great Britain to own our, all our farmland. I don't want them to own any of our farmland. What so about Bill Gates? It's a very. It's a very. Uh, so it's, it's a great question. And actually, I get this question a lot. A little bit more difficult since he's an American citizen. <laughs> he is an American this citizen. Is not. This is not to say we don't have villains uh, in America. But exactly. We, uh, I think I would the, trust a Japanese person. The any person you could find on the street of Tokyo over Bill Gates. Well, so we're what we're trying to do in the foreign land issue is trying to say we want Missouri to be owned by Missourians or at least Americans. Okay, I think it's a mistake, but we can have a different difference of opinion on that one. Here comes some more hard questions. If you were uh, the governor of Missouri mm -hmm. and the Satanic Temple wanted to put the uh, Satanic display uh, alongside all the other religious displays here in the state of Missouri, what would you do? Uh, uh, you mean like at the Capitol? Like they did in Iowa. Like they did, like they did no, Iowa. No, I, I, I'd have, I would direct the Capitol Police to remove that from the Capitol immediately. We're not going to do that. No okay. way. Is it, what if uh, the, uh, you know, our Muslims in um, in Missouri wanted to have their display in the Missouri? Well, I, I think I'd be okay with that. But no, we're not going to have. Okay? We're not going to have. We're not going to have. Ex, we're not going to have what I would consider obscene uh, displays that I believe are offensive to virtually every home in this. State. I'm offended by Islamic. Well, Alex, I would be offended by an Islamic statue in my state capital. I, I'm not going to put uh, Satanists uh, and sa Satanic uh, images in the same. Well, you said your standard. Your standard was what what is offensive, and I'm telling you, I would find a Muslim religious icon in my capital mm -hmm. to be offensive to me. Okay. All right. I, I, I get that. I disagree with that. But the question was, would I remove uh, a Satanic? Uh, display from the Capitol. Absolutely. If I had to go down there myself as the governor of the state and clean out every every inch of a satanic display, uh, not only would I do that myself, but then I would go back and find out who is responsible for putting a satanic display in the Missouri Capitol, and I would make sure that every one of those individuals were fired. Does religious liberty not apply to atheists? Of course it does. Okay. It would see. It would. It appear as if you're you're denying the same kind of religious liberty that we offer to Christians and Muslims to people who who have no religion. Because, what, at least from what you've just said, 
Uh, are you, wait, are we talking about atheists or are we talking about Satanists? Well, Satanists, the, the, the Church of Satan, the people who put up those, those uh, statues and displays are atheists. They do that in order to challenge religious liberty uh, here. Okay, great. You, you knew this, right? Great. Uh, I, uh, that's, that, I, listen, you didn't know I, that? I, so for me, let me, let me go back to, let me go oh, back to the beginning. On, on. Like, did you know that the people who put that statue up in the Iowa Capitol were not Satanists, quote unquote? I, I, I am not familiar with their motivations now. That so the, might be the bigger, yeah. the bigger issue here is how we qualify, like, what is a religion? Right, 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 right. So... Okay, real quick, I guess our listeners are asking who our guest is, because sometimes we get a lot of people who just file into the show. Good morning, I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching listening to the Wake Up America show. I'm joined on set by the lovely Camelia Peterson, who many of you already know. But for those of you who are just tuning into the show and you're saying, hey, who's this guy right here? This is Bill Eigel. He's the future governor of the state of Missouri. He's a senator here, uh, and he's here for the legislative session, which just kicked off in earnest. And he's, again, of course, running for governor here in the state of Missouri. And we're, we're just asking him some tough questions, because that's what we do apologize. Questions. Go ahead. I do love questions. Go ahead, Bill. What were you going to say? Uh, so, the, going back to your original question, mm -hmm. when I remove satanic, uh, anybody who tried to put a satanic uh, display into the Missouri Capitol, yep, yes, I would. Uh, not only would I be willing to do that myself, I would find out who was responsible for trying to put a display like that in the Capitol, and I would have them fired. Have them fired. Okay, good to know. All right. So the next question here, um, Missouri's budget is massive. Yes, there is a ton of cash here in the Capitol. Mm -hmm. How much of it is going to last uh, at least another week? <laughs> so the the budget probably one of the biggest challenges we have in Jefferson City is a budget that has gotten out of control. And let's be clear, uh, the Republican supermajorities, along with the Republican governor, uh, have increased government spending in Jefferson City more in the past uh, five to seven years that they've been in office uh, than all the Democratic governors combined. Going back to the founding of the state, we've gone from a twenty seven billion dollar budget when I came in in twenty seventeen to a fifty one billion dollar budget today. So uh, you know we are sending more money more of our treasure to Jefferson City than ever before, adjusted for inflation. And I think if you ask anybody, what do they feel like they're getting more from government than ever before? I don't know of a single person that feels like they're getting more for all that sacrifice. So what are we doing? Well, unfortunately, Austin, we're wasting the money. We're wasting the money. We had $10 billion of new decision items last year going for everything from uh, private professional stadium upgrades to uh, a meat laboratory to a concrete walking overpass in Kansas City over the top of I-70, things that most everybody if given a choice between all of that waste and, for example, getting rid of personal property tax, would be pretty disappointed to know just how much money we're actually spending in Jefferson City. So it's got to come down. It will come down. And the only one of the candidates running for governor who's going to have uh, the spine to take on the special interests who are currently benefiting from this money and cut that spending is myself. So speaking of spending and money, one of the things that we probably don't talk about enough is that um, there are giving states and taking states, you know, as far as federal funding goes. And I think a lot of people are not aware that Missouri is very much a taker when it comes to federal funding. Like we're very high. So that I think, should, I mean, and, and it, it has ramifications. We've seen it many times in terms of how it affects what we do in the state because of the government strings, the federal strings that come attached right. to that. So I guess my question is, is like, so I think that's a really important issue, too, because it really inhibits a lot of what we do in the state um, as far as reforms. What can we do to take steps to 
reduce that? So, uh, so the first thing that I would point out, and this is to your point, Camelia, fifty uh, percent of our yes. state budget comes from the federal government. That ranks us number one amongst all 50 states in the percentage of the budget that we're getting from the federal government. So think about that. We are more dependent on the federal government to pay our bills right now than California, than New York, than Illinois, all these big blue states that virtually nobody thinks is in good fiscal shape. We're actually more dependent on the federal government than any of those states. So what we do, here's a Here's a did you know moment, right? Did you know Did you know that of that $52 billion, a lot of those federal dollars that we're accepting the string that you, re, that you mentioned, the standard of behavior that we have to comply with, we're not even spending some of those dollars. So what if I told you that a governor could go in in the first year and actually reduce our reliance on the federal government by billions of dollars simply by turning back the money that we're not even spending in the first place? I mean, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big <laughs> Our Republican governor, why has our Republican supermajorities done this in the first place? Um, well, the answer is because the status quo reigned. And you don't hear Mike Keogh talking about that. And you don't hear Jay Ashcroft talking about that because those guys are the establishment and they're going to continue exactly the same policies that have made us dependent on the federal government, that make us unable to reform our Medicaid program, that make us unable to reform our government because they love the system. I'm the guy that's going to change it. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're speaking to State Senator Bill Eigel of Missouri. He's running for governor here in the state of Missouri, and he's here in town now for the beginning of the Missouri legislative session. We're talking to him a little bit about his campaign, his endorsement of Donald Trump, his views on policy, economics, and cultural issues as well. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing his thoughts on some other things as well. So nearly half of Missouri's social equity mar marijuana license applicants we're from out of state. Now, I know you're concerned about China owning all of our uh, all of our land, farmland here in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about um, our marijuana uh, cartel that we've created here in the state of Missouri? This is a mess and a nightmare that somebody's got to clean up. But because of the way that we passed this law into our Constitution, yeah. it's difficult for people like you to fix. What could you do as governor to uh, to fix our economic system in regards to these illicit substances? So that's uh, so great question. The 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 idea the the problem we have now, and you you said this with the marijuana uh, network that we've set up, is that it benefits some companies over another, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was designed that way. The Amendment Three, the initiative petition that ultimately went under the Constitution, had thirty eight pages and fifty thousand words uh, designed to benefit some people over another. So now the process of getting licenses, the process of uh, uh, of of enacting this new industry that we've opened up in the state of Missouri is a mess. And uh, it, because there are so many words and so many restrictions that were put into Amendment 3, it makes it very difficult, as you said, uh, for the government to now change things because it was very clear what they wanted in, in, the, in the Constitution. And by the way, uh, Amendment 3 never, ever should have been before the voters in the first place because it had so many different subjects in it. I mean, 38 pages, 50,000 words. It's a multi-subject violation of the single subject requirement for initiative petitions. It never should have been before the ballot. It should have been rejected from the ballot under section 116.120 by our Secretary of State for being unconstitutional. Well, what did he do? He did nothing. 
Just like he's done on several initiative petitions that were unconstitutional, he refused to reject them. And now look at the mess that we have. So what can we do? Well, uh, we're, we, we can we can suggest uh, things through the legislature to try to fix this, but uh, that's a very difficult thing to do after the fact. What we've got to have are leaders that are going to defend the Constitution in the first place. And uh, you know now it's, it's difficult to overcome the Constitution because we don't have the authority to roll back, even as the legislature or the governor, what the what the Constitution says. This is something that's like, I mean, you can't, we can't do anything about it now. So it's just quibbling, but the legislature like did have the opportunity to prevent this. Um, and I know, but it, it's like, it's a tough issue for a lot of people, right? From a moral perspective. And it was kind of for a lot of legislators, this is a matter of, you know, do I go with, you know, um, kind of what makes logical sense with here? Because we know voters are going to vote for it, but let's, let's do this and maintain some, some control over it so we can make changes if we need it. Or do I like vote my conscience, you know, my moral perspective on it? And mm. because you're right, it's really hard to and do right now. And I don't know what the answer is, but I was like, can the, can the legislature do a resolution and like replace it with something else? But Bill, I mean, you can. You can. Okay, Bill, Bill, last series of questions uh, before we let you go. And then I want to make sure that you get to, uh, to tell your bio to everybody a little bit about your history. Like a political commercial? Yeah, a little bit. Like you do a political commercial? <laughs> Not exactly. Because oh, okay. uh, then we have to report it. But, okay. All right. Uh, just tell people a little bit about your, your, your background. Before we do, I got one last, the, the, the hardest round of questions that oh. it's going to be. All right. Yeah, okay. So. So um, I'm of the mind. We've got this new story about uh, pro boxers uh, and there's the women's competition. Uh, I'm of the mind that uh, if you step into a ring voluntarily mm -hmm. that uh, of your own volition as an adult and you choose to step into the ring with what is ostensibly a biological man that says that they are says that they are a woman and you want to go, you know, nine rounds with that person. Like Nobody's forcing you to be there. Well, then, you know, the, you ought to have that right as an American. Some people want to ban people transgender in sports, right, entirely. Some people say, well, well, it should be banned when it comes to schools. And I think that there's an argument to me be made there. But I'm asking specifically about adults who are not a part of a school system, right? What do you think about this idea that biological females will compete against biological males who say that they're women in professional sports? So I think that, and I, I believe you're referring to the female boxer that got knocked out in what she was like a, a, a champion of several yes. women's it would be, championships. Yes. It would be, she it, gets it. She right. got knocked out by in a training match uh, by that a she, male trainer. That she right? stepped into she stepped voluntarily into. of so, her own volition, said, give it to me, give it to me harder, daddy, as yeah. hard as you can well, get. I don't, I don't know if she said uh, so my first thought on that is, you know, sometimes you just got to give the most candid answer. That doesn't seem like a great idea. Right. It really, uh, and, you know, there's nothing the government ever is going to be able to do uh, to stop people from just making dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to make it seem like I'm going to be able to stop every person in the state of Missouri from making a dumb decision. Here's here's my stance on this, though. Yeah. When it comes to uh, girls and boys sports in our secondary and post-secondary education process, uh, biological males should play in boys sports. Biological females should pay, play in girls sports. If you let any crossover you've effectively destroyed women's sports. Uh, I would be opposed to that happening in any of its forms, in any chance I get to defend the institution of women's sports or men's sports, because we're actually destroying both by doing that. Uh, I'm going to take the opportunity to do so. Should uh, gay couples be allowed to adopt children? 
So uh, I'm a, I am a believer that the healthiest home that we have we can have is a home in which we have uh, one 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 father and one mother. Uh, that's the traditional American family, which, by the way, the traditional American family is under more attack today than we've ever seen before. Would you outlaw it? Would I? If that if, if a bill came onto the desk of you, Governor Bill Igel of Missouri, to outlaw LGBT couples from being able to adopt a child, would you sign that bill or veto it? That's it. That's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting. Uh, Welcome to the Wake Up America. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question there. Like I'll say again, I, I think the best. Uh, I bet I think the best example for healthy homes in this state and in this country is, is the traditional family. Question, Bill: Would you sign the bill or not? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to say again. Don't do this, Bill. I'm going to say again. Where's the mask off button? I, I think. I think the best. The best family. Uh, the best family unit in this country is one. Are you playing the, the traditional man? I'm, I'm saying the, 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 the best families are traditional American family. <laughs> I'm just being tough. Hey, he's running for office. I'm going to ask him the tough questions. Bill, uh, you are a military service, a former military service yep. member. You served our country honorably and well. You've been a great state senator. You always vote for limited government when, when things come up. You're one of the best in the legislature that we've seen in a long time. Definitely top three on the Senate side of things. We appreciate the work that you've done for the good citizens of Missouri. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you would like people to know before they have the chance to cast a ballot for you this year. So uh, a, a little bit about me before I got into politics was basically my background is a, is a mixture of military service. I was in the Air Force for eight years, did uh, assignments around the country. My last assignment was at Whiteman Air Force Base outside of Kansas City. Uh, got out of the service. My wife was also a maintenance officer. Got out of the service in 2007, and uh, in went moved back to St. Charles and bought a small business, a remodeling business, a little construction company. We did that for 10 years and really avoided politics. I didn't want anything to do with politics. And in uh, 2015, we had Obamacare coming online. Remember, we were going to keep our doctor. We were going to the our rates were going to go down, and that that was so awful that uh, I decided to get involved in the political discussion because I saw my rates going up 70 percent for my employees uh, year over year. And I said, "Hey, we got to find a way to get involved." And, and I didn't realize at the time that for every year as a private citizen that you're not thinking about or trying to avoid government. You know, government is thinking about you. So I started building out this political network, uh, which was very new to me, and ended up running for the state senate. And uh, it was a, a new experience, but I found that I was one of many individuals who were coming into the, uh, the, the political discussion for the first time. And I think that that's only accelerated. I mean, you look in 2020 after what happened with the 2020 election, what happened with the COVID environment, we're seeing more people get involved for the very same reason I did, which is they were angry about something. For me, it was Obamacare. For a lot of people, it's the election. For a lot of people, it's the COVID environment, whatever it is. And now saying, hey, what the heck is going on in our government? So now here we're, we're talking about uh, where is Missouri? You know, why do I want to be governor? Well, I mean, look at Missouri. I mean, when you turn your TV on in the morning and you hear about big red states that are prospering and doing big red things, what states are you hearing about? Are you hearing about Missouri? Well, no, not of course not. You're not even we're not even mentioned in the top or second tier of big red states. You're hearing about Texas and Tennessee and Florida. Well, we have bigger supermajorities, Republicans down in Jefferson City uh, than any of those states. So why aren't we doing the big red? Why are we getting rid of personal property tax? Why aren't we defending our land? Why are we defending? Why aren't we passing uh, reforms in our education system? Right? right? Why are we doing all these big red things? And the answer is because we have too many Republicans that don't want to act like Republicans. Bill Igle has 
has been one of the champions of eliminating uh, personal property taxes here in the state of Missouri, especially for senior citizens here who have already paid so much. Uh, Bill Eigel, he is running for governor here in the state of Missouri. Where can people find out more about you online, Bill? BillEigel.com. Bill our website, uh, BillEigel.com. You, you will uh, have all sorts of information. Our planks, our, our platform is on there. We've had almost 35, we've had over 35,000 people sign up just in the past 12 months. So uh, we have a tremendous amount of momentum. I think people are really buying into the message that we're going to kick over some apple carts. For sure. Today. And speaking of momentum, I don't know if it's this handsome candidate that we've got on the set or if it's Rumble.com putting us on the front page, but the numbers have really picked up. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks, everybody, for joining the Wake Up America show. I think they're all excited by this message. Bill Eigel is a very good, very limited Repo uh, government Republican who's fought for a lot of the issues that people who watch this show care about. So I highly recommend you check him out at BillEigel.com. That's E-I-G-E-L. Check out his voting record, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. And when we get back, a man in Las Vegas threw himself in the air at a judge in a courtroom. I believe I can fly. Uh, yeah, I can fly like this. White boys can't jump. We'll talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Wake up, America. I think I'm waking up. I think I need to wake up my co-host here. Camelia Peterson joining us live on the show. What's up, CJ? Oh, my tongue is tangled this morning. The tongue? Yes, it is. I'm Austin Peterson. Welcome to Wake Up America show. I'm going to guess that Rumble.com has this on the front page. Thank you, Rumble. You rock. We appreciate Rumble.com for featuring us today, helping us to spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty, which is what we're all about baby so click that like button and if it's your first time watching us today as i imagine for 156 or so of you or excuse me 500 and so of you it probably is so click the subscribe button and come back and join us every monday through friday do you hear me roasting that politician oh yeah i like bill but politicians get the roast. That's right. I told him, like, you know, if you can if you can answer Austin's left field questions, you can really probably answer just about anything. Yeah, they're some, but they're kind of left field, I guess, some of them, right? More questions that, you know, would be a little bit more concerned to libertarians on the social issue side of things. Sure, but they are also, I mean, you know, there are, as a, as a good-sized contingent within the Republican Party of very liberty-minded Republicans who want government to keep their hands off of social issues, too. So For sure. And I'm not sure how I feel about the whole stop China from buying a property in the United States. Not just stop China. I mean, that I'm kind of like, okay, maybe, but like Japan can't buy property? Japanese people? What? British, British people point. can't buy it? Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see his point as far as, you know, proprietary, you know, Keeping proprietary rights over the, the country, it, but they can't own it. Right. But what are I they going to do? They're well, going to taint. Are they going to taint the food if they if they don't if they lease it well, versus buy it? What and the hell here's are we the thing. About? Like the thing is, is like if something ever happened that we needed to say um, that the, you know somebody owns a country owns some property mm -hmm. in America, and we need to say I'm you know like that's a problem. It's not like we can't just say, sorry, you don't own it anymore. Right, right. Good point. Yeah, no, good point. <laughs> We're taking it back. No, for sure. Well, here's the thing. Like uh, China, if they don't allow us to own property, maybe that's what it ought to be. Is If uh, if we have a treaty with a country and they allow American citizens to own property, right? Because, I mean, here's the thing. There are Americans who own property in other countries. But, I mean, it was, yes, it was It was a good point about Saudi Arabia. rich one day. I want to buy a flat in Paris and... You know, have a have like a little like, you know, bungalow near the, you know, Buckingham Palace, you know, something like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like, you know, the Saudi Arabia example, I think is is a good example. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I would. 
big pause on whether or not they should own anything in in America. Sorry. Kermode Bear says, sounds like a coffee blend. Austin's politician roast. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Extra dark. Poss- possibly burnt. <laughs> oh, man. That was funny. That is funny. Very funny. Oh my God, that's good stuff. CJ824 says it's not the Fox News line of questioning for sure. Yes, we know, right? Yes. Yeah, Bill was definitely looking at me kind of like, eh. <laughs> but, uh, and that was, you know, that last question about the gay couples being able to adopt. That might be a question that a governor will have to, will have to decide. Here's the thing. And I think this is going to be a challenge, not only for Bill Igel, but anybody in the governor's race in Missouri right now. And this applies nationwide too for the presidential election is that the question is, how do you appeal to that voter base that he's appealing to? This very socially conservative, mm-hmm. you know, that MAGA base. And also in order to be able to win, you are going to have to be able to message and appeal to voters that are more centrist in the middle and the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, there's, it's a tightrope, but I think, you know, you have to find a way to do it. And um, I, I think that the line of keeping the government out of everybody's lives as much as possible should be the baseline for everyone. And if you can do that, I think most people will be happy. I agree. Uh, the The problem is, is that he's got a candidate that's running, I won't say to his right, but maybe to his just his immediate left, if you will. It, mm. It's hard. And I wouldn't call Jay Ashcroft left in any way. No, but he really uh, he, he faces a challenge from the fact that Jay Ashcroft is in the race and is that political dynasty. And Kehoe, I mean, I think, you know, Kehoe wouldn't be offended by me saying he is kind of the establishment Republican in the race because he has he is the lieutenant governor right now. And he's a, a, a force that looms large in politics in Missouri, but he doesn't have the same name recognition that Jay Ashcroft does. People who are politically aware, 100% of them know who Ashcroft is. Maybe 90% of people in Missouri know who uh, Kehoe is. And I would say maybe 70, 60 to 70% of people who are politically aware know who Bill Igel is. Is that fair, would you say? Or maybe 50% does? Know who Bill Igel is? Know who Bill Igel is. If you're politically aware in Missouri. If you're politically aware, yes. 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 If, you're, if you're not politically plugged in all the time, then no. So he has a lot of work to do. But you know, this this says a lot about, you know, citizens, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how we're engaged with our government, which I was talking with a legislator yesterday. We were talking about why, you know, this difference of opinion on policy from, you know, even on the education issue, for example, in some of the different areas where they just don't, you know, they don't think it's a priority for their district because um, people, their constituents are not talking to them about it. Maybe they don't see the need for us. It's kind of that urban rural divide. And the thing is, is I think it comes down to like, if, if politicians are going to represent the people, then maybe some of the onus is on the rest of us to make sure that we are engaging our friends and neighbors and educating them on issues and having those conversations. We've relegated politics to like the dark corners of discussion because political correctness, you know, rules the day and you can't like, talk about anything. Yeah, You can't without offending somebody, right? Right. Somebody's going to be offended. Oh, uh, that was interesting. Uh, Bill's answer on the satanic temple thing. <laughs> Dude, he was not ready for that. You did not mention Ceres on the top of this. I was going to get there, but it would have been too. We, I didn't want to spend the entire interview going back through the history of the debate with Mike Moon and the Roman goddess on the top. We did that during the KWOS radio days. And I feel Thank like, goodness we gave that woman a $400,000 bath. Uh, yeah. 
She's pretty now. The audience has no idea what we're talking about. There's a Roman goddess who sits atop of the uh, Missouri State Capitol building, and her name is Ceres, and she is the goddess of agriculture and fertility. You know what I'm saying? It's fascinating, and you find this in government buildings, Capitol buildings all over the country, but even right here. There is a there are scripture, biblical scripture texts, you know, engraved in the Capitol and the interior and, and all kinds of biblical references right alongside the statues from Greek and Roman mythology. Yes. Well, it's funny because I think he he must have been only vaguely familiar with what happened in Iowa with the satanic statue that was there because he was talking about like it being grossly offensive and all this stuff. But it was it was literally just like it was actually a very. I'm not supposed to say nice things about the satanic statue, but it was actually kind of a pretty goat head, right? That they had that was like mirrors. And then it was like this like velvet, red velvet cape. Well, but I don't think that he was talking about that it was gross or offensive from, um, you know, like a visual aspect as, as much as like the idea of it and what it represents. Right. But he didn't know what it represented. Well, I think a lot of people don't um, know that that's, that's true. That's and that's true. like that. That is the bigger question, right? People have no idea. They think what? It's, they think that the Satanists are actual Satanists, right? And like that's that's they don't know they're being trolled. Like you have to decide what's a religion, what's not a religion. Well, that's why I asked. And says so the thing is, he was shocked because I said, "So then, are there no? It does religious liberty extend to atheists? Because that's who they are. The Satanic Temple is just a bunch of atheists who want to troll Christians." And their point, of course, is to is to bring up religious liberty discussions like how they did with Iowa. Right. So in, in reality, the Satanists won because they wanted it to drive a national discussion and a debate about the First Amendment and free speech and religious liberty, which they did. Right. And the question is, you know, he said on one hand that that atheists do have religious liberty, but that he would take their he would take their iconography out of the Capitol. Right. So and I think it's just because he didn't know. Right. You know, and when you're running for office as a conservative Republican, if somebody says Satan, anything, it's like, I'm going <laughs> to what's that Satan song that we used to sing in church when we were kids? I'm going to watch that. It was like oh. that. Satan, bushel. No. Well, how did it go? No, 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 no. That's it was like line of mine. <laughs> no, I know, no, no. But what was it? Was oh, well, song? don't let Satan blow it out. That's part of don't let Satan blow it out. Yeah, yeah, but there was one song that we used to sing about like Satan. And it's like, I'm going to blow him. I'm going to blow him down or. Yeah, you know what I I'm know talking, what you're talking about? about. What is that? Yeah. that children's... Shut the door, keep out the devil. No, <laughs> no shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil out the light. Oh my gosh, can't no, believe that now. Sing <laughs> a glorious song. No, but there was a children. Somebody is forgetting, right? Somebody is for somebody is going to tell us the uh, name of that. Tell song us was. what it is. What is he thinking God, of? I, I figured it out. Yeah, I know a whole ton of those songs. So. <laughs> Yeah, so well, it's like, you know, I'm going to blow him down or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Dang it. All right. Well, I'm forgetting. So I need a Christian, please, in the chat. Can a Christian please step up and remind us of what the children's song was about, like, fighting Satan or something like that? Anyways, okay. So uh, it's time for us to play the clip uh, that I promised we would play. Oh, by the way, we have to, I forgot. Oh, you're, you're blushing. We did it. Camellia's blushing. Wow, you are red. I'm also a little warm. That might be because I'm blushing. Okay, warm. You, well, you can you can take that off. Do that suggestively, if no. you don't if you don't mind. As, I'm just super awkward. We're gonna we're gonna make Glocus mad. We'll try not to mention the calendar here, but I really thought this was funny. Tradcon Christian women on Twitter be like, "What's the big deal? He's just baking you prudes." This video made me laugh yesterday because we're all talking about that. Isabella Morales chick who did that baking video yes. where she, where her her gigantic bubbies were like out there in the frame for everybody to see. 
And so this is the male equivalent here. And it's going to say, this isn't a thirst trap. This is just a man who's just baking. He's just uh -huh. showing us how living to make. Living his life. Living his showing life. Showing us how to do things. Look at this. So he's got his like, you know, muscly arm. He's slapping it. Oh, oh, he's like pulling it apart like a butt cheek. The bread, the dough. Here he is baking. It's just baking. There's nothing suggestive about this baking at all. Oh, he sticks his finger in the Nutella very suggestively. There go. Oh, now he's shirtless. That's okay. Men can be shirtless. God made us this that's way. Okay, right? yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> God didn't make women's way. Right. It's not suggestive at all. There we go. Anyways, uh, we're laughing because, uh, you know, the calendar gate. Here's the gentleman in court yesterday who uh, developed magical flying skills. Take a look. Watch this. I appreciate that, but I think it's time that he gets a taste of something else because I just can't with that history. In accordance with the laws of state of Nevada, this court. Oh, 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 oh. There he goes. Oh. Okay, let's back it up here too. I didn't know that he said those bad words. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Watch this. Watch this guy fly through the air. Someone done a remix of this yet? No, but there we'll, we'll get there. Right, this is a Las Vegas. Uh, I would say gentleman, but uh, yeah, he jumped in. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, we have a Christian. We have a Christian in the chat. We have a Christian in the chat. <laughs> B. Ferg says, "If I had a little black box to put Satan in, I'd take him out and smash his head and put him back again." You got to keep the devil way down in the hole. The devil way down in the hole. I How does that one go? Never heard that. <laughs> wow, I'd be interested to hear the tune of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know the tune of that one. Yes, if I had a little blue, red, some color box to put the devil in, I'd take him out and bang, 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 and put him back again. Something like that. Dang, I don't know. Fascinating. I don't know how that goes, right? So, Gokas says, women can be shirtless too. No. No, God. Take that Satan and put him back in the box. No. Take that Satan and put them back in the box. Uh, women, you love to make men uncomfortable, don't you, Camelia? As much as I love to make Camelia uncomfortable, women like to make men uncomfortable. Well, sometimes. According to the new the Star Wars movie director, the movie's objective is to make men uncomfortable. Why does the left have to ruin everything? What Take is a listen. the balance of activating a force for change, but also trying to permeate that patriarchy, that power structure? And is that a part of the calculation of your art as well? And, and what's been the reaction to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I like to make men uncomfortable. I enjoy <laughs> making men uncomfortable. <laughs> I enjoy making women uncomfortable, following them down the streets at night, you know, things like that. <laughs> when you hear so, when you hear somebody saying like that, like this is going to be the next Star Wars movie, right? This this is the director of the next Star Wars movie. Yeah. Be funny if she was like actually being funny because I can say I like to make men uncomfortable and yes. it's funny because you know there's a little bit of a perverse delight in you know making men squirm, but she's like unironically saying if she's if she was back in India and she said something like that, she would be raped it's it's very common in india it's it's like it's like extremely extremely common like when like women get raped on the streets you you look at a man that you get raped 
Like you could say that in the United States and not have violent things done to you, but not back in India. Like these are these are, again first world feminist problems. They love to make men like me uncomfortable in first world nations that will tolerate them, but they don't go back to their own countries and behave like more the morons that they are back in their mother countries because they know the standards of behavior are completely different there. They well, want they want to kind of laughed and she kind of laughed, yeah, you know, but yeah. she's let's actually America, serious. Yeah, let's make America more like India where when you say things like that you'll be brutally <laughs> and violently raped. How's that sound? Right? Welcome to India, right? Where it's like the rape rate is like 90%. It's it's really bad. Look it up. Google it if you don't believe me. Uh 662 people watching us live this morning. Wow. I'm sure I'm making a fool out of myself in front of a large audience. <laughs> trying to come up with Satan songs. What are we and- talking about right now? This show's just gone all over the place. It's been politician roasts and and rape and and flying felons. And Jeffrey Epstein and flying felons. I don't know. I think it's a great show. I think it's fun. But if you're just tuning in live today, make sure that you click that like button and subscribe to the channel so that you can come back and join us. Tomorrow's Freedom Family Friday. Are you excited to have Justin as a regular guest on the show, oh, Camilla? that's right. Yeah. I am so glad that he has agreed to do that. He just, he articulates things so well. It's just... Just so intelligent. Yep. My brother, Justin Peterson, joins us as a regular guest now on Fridays. And because we haven't heard from Daniela Pensack in a while, just hasn't worked out with her schedule. She's going to join us, too, even though she's not a F- Peterson family member. Okay, but, good. That's right. Yeah, I love Daniela, too. Yeah, she's, she's great. smart. Uh, so we'll have Daniela Pensack joining us tomorrow. Uh, we've got 666 people watching. <laughs> I think we know why. Could it be Satan? Oh, no. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Uh, We do, unfortunately, have to end the show a little early today. I know. Isn't that sad? But uh, somebody needs to use the studio, so it be what it be, which means if you want to watch the Wake Up America show more, I would suggest you watch some of our archive uh, or you're going to have to uh, just wait until tomorrow on the Wake Up America show. Yeah, yeah. we're coming out of Missouri. Very busy time for Missouri right now. Legislature just started. And so, yep, they need the, they need the studio. There's going to be some legislative critters here uh, joining us uh, in the studio with Scott Fawn's show this week in Missouri politics, which you should definitely check out if you liked our conversation about Missouri politics. Midweek updates as well. Scott Fawn's Missouri Times building is where we do film the show. It's a great way to get caught up on what's happening, what's moving, and what's shaken in Missouri politics. We do stream this show live from Jefferson City, after all. So there are a lot of Congress critters running around. So if Missouri's your thing, check out Missouri Times. Scott Fawn's This Week in Missouri Politics show, which I believe that they're going to be recording right after this. Not sure if it's live, though. We'll find out. I guess It'll air on Sunday. Air on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. So we'll drop the link It'll below be on YouTube. so you guys can find it over on YouTube. So this week in Missouri politics on Sunday. So he also does a midweek update, which yes. is live. Yes can check that out as well okay don't forget ap4libertyshop.com get yourself some rare delicious unique founding flavors coffee you can't find it anywhere else in the world but here at ap4libertyshop.com we've got our javier malay hoodies which got the seal of approval from el javo himself posted that out uh the hoodies unfortunately it looks like i can't ship to argentina just yet so i need to change that but apparently that was the export laws from the old socialist government so now we can do a little export import so i gotta change my shipping settings so i'm probably gonna be talking about argentina a lot this year so get yourself some javier malay merch over at ap4libertyshop.com and we'll see you guys tomorrow on the wake up america show anything else you want to say cj before we go nope have a great thursday everyone Have a good Thursday. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at Wake Up America.